You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. I'm Colleen Christie. Sophie and Chris are off tonight. The victim of a random hate-motivated crime in Vancouver is sharing his chilling story after his attacker, Shane McKenzie, was sentenced. The father of three says he was downtown when a man armed with a knife started hurling racial slurs at him. Kristen Robinson has more and a warning. You may find some of the details in our story disturbing. To be attacked with a random person was really not good for me. Willie Kabayabaya is warning others who came to Canada for a better life after he survived a racist attack. They must pay attention. They never know something can happen to them and to be able to stand for their rights. Peace and love. The father of three who immigrated to Canada from Burundi in East Africa finished a 10-hour plumbing shift in May 2022 when he says a stranger approached him outside a building near Vancouver's Victory Square. They say, oh, f***ing black. You, you look like shit. And I didn't reply nothing. And they say, you know, you know, you motherfucker, you're going to kill you, you're going to change your face. And I say, really? And after he pulled up a knife and he came to me close to my tummy and I go in the back like this and I had the backpack in my, my back and I tried to, and I hit his hand and the, the knife fell down. Kabayabaya says he grabbed the knife, called police, and chased the suspect until he ran into a store. In my mind, I think about if something happened bad to me, how are we going to support my kids? Who, who going to support my wife? Shane Aaron McKenzie was arrested. The 25-year-old from Abbotsford was charged with assault with a weapon and released on bail the next day. Honestly, the justice here, now something is not okay. Mackenzie was convicted and sentenced in August to nine months in jail with credit for 90 days already spent in custody, followed by 12 months probation. He also received two months and a day in jail for committing mischief, breaching his release, and possessing stolen property in Port Coquitlam and Surrey while on bail. How come he been, they let him out? And even now, so when they sent it for 12 months, yeah, I was not really happy for the, the, the approbation, what they say in the court. This is some of the most vile and reprehensible language that can be used. Vancouver police say based on the evidence presented at trial, the judge concluded the only motive for the assault was the color of the victim's skin. Um, there was some aggravating circumstances, particularly the language that was used, uh, the violence that was used uh, against a person who did absolutely nothing wrong. We don't need to hate people, no. We human beings, honestly. Uh, why, no matter who we are, white, black, Asian, Indian, everyone. We human beings, we have the same blood. Kabaya Baya, who has worked as a comedian and as a journalist in Burundi, says it was his dream to come here. When you speak about Canada, we are in Africa, it's like to go to heaven. But there are no heaven in the earth. No, no, no heaven. Now I think I have to fight for my, my right and to try to stand. Kristen Robinson, Global News. By all indications, it's been pretty smooth sailing at BC Ferries as we wrap up the Labor Day long weekend. But not for everyone. In what is perhaps the best example of just how fragile the BC Ferry system is, the corporation had to cancel some sailings because one employee couldn't make it to work. Aaron MacArthur explains. Traffic is heavy but steady at Swartz Bay, despite people's misgivings about the reliability. Ferries are just airplanes now. Without a ticket, don't waste your time. Traffic is moving. She said maybe the two, possibly the three. It's not too bad at all. 
That wasn't the case on the Sunshine Coast this weekend. Pulled on in there and the ferry was there. And I was like, well, that's unnatural. It shouldn't be sitting there like that. A crew member was involved in a traffic accident Saturday afternoon and couldn't report to work. Unable to backfill that position, ferries were canceled between Earl's Cove and Saltery Bay until Sunday morning. And we apologize to our customers for any inconvenience that that might have caused. Some passengers were stranded overnight. Some detoured around the cancellations, heading to Comox and then Nanaimo and then Horseshoe Bay and then back to Langdale. I was to take the ferry at 7.05 on Saturday evening um, and ended up getting home at 9 p.m. last night. Residents on the Sunshine Coast say ferry service has deteriorated to a point where they can't rely on it to meet basic needs. The North Sunshine Coast Ferry Advisory Committee says the company needs to have more resiliency to deal with potential crew shortages. There is no buffer. There's no re resilience built into the system. Um, they operate with the, you know, the their, you know, the absolute minimum amount of crew on the ship. A report from BC Ferries says four in 10 cancellations this past fiscal year were due to staff shortages. The route between Comox and Powell River, one of the highest percentages of cancelled sailings in the province. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. South Okanagan General Hospital's emergency department is closed this evening until tomorrow morning due to staffing issues. The department temporarily closed just minutes ago at 6 o'clock and will reopen tomorrow morning at 8, citing unexpected limited physician availability as the reason for the closure. Any residents in and around Oliver needing life-saving emergency care are being advised to call 911 for transport to the nearest available facility. Interior Health says all inpatient services will continue as normal during this time. Still no word from police as to exactly what happened on Sunday near Chilliwack that shut down a popular recreational route and stranded drivers for hours. As Ruminadea reports, people living in the area say the only information they had during the stressful time was from neighbors and the social media rumor mill. Forensic investigators spent hours begging evidence from a property on Chilliwack Lake Road. No comment from RCMP on scene. And the neighbors came running out and said, quick, get back home, there's a gunman on the loose. There were multiple reports of heavily armed police officers in the area on Sunday. The road blocked off, people stranded in their cars for hours. It was busy, people were coming in and out. Everybody was asking us the same thing, but we just had no information yeah. for them. Kevin serving customers at the local hot dog stand when he first got the warning on the internet. I just heard like staying locked doors just to be on the safe side. It'd be nice to know exactly in more detail. For two days now, this small community has been in the dark about what happened here. Why such a heavy police presence? Frustrated residents tell me their only source of information has been on social media. Nothing from the RCMP. There's a lot of elderly people in here and living alone, so I'm sure they're petrified. It was scary. Crime scene investigators still on scene late Monday afternoon. No details on whether anyone was injured or arrested. Despite multiple attempts to contact Chilliwack RCMP since Sunday, we're still waiting for a response. Romina Dea, Global News.
The jury in a coroner's inquest into a deadly police-involved shooting is recommending the province and RCMP speed up the introduction of police body cameras. In January 2015, 39-year-old Waylon Eddy was fatally shot in the head during a traffic stop in Castlegar. RCMP Constable Jason Tate was charged with manslaughter in the case. He was acquitted in 2020. The jury made eight recommendations, including speeding up body camera implementation and strengthening laws to prevent prohibited drivers from getting behind the wheel. This is the second B.C. coroner's inquest in recent months to recommend body-worn cameras for police officers. Some major progress on a stubborn fire burning in the Fraser Canyon. Conditions around the Kukupee Creek fire have improved enough that this afternoon that evacuation order was lifted and people were allowed to return home. Travis Prasad has the latest from the fire zone. We're currently just south of Cache Creek, where in this area alone, there are six wildfires of note burning. But clear skies are giving crews the upper hand to the point of some evacuation orders being lifted. The Kukupee Creek fire has burned through 18,000 hectares in and around the Fraser Canyon, including the historic Nahatlatch Lookout Tower that was destroyed in a matter of minutes. But favorable weather means the Fraser Valley Regional District has downgraded its evacuation order to an evacuation alert. There was light rain in the area on Sunday, and officials expect there to be more overnight. There's also no lightning in the forecast. Crews are now able to fly a drone over the fire at night to conduct infrared scanning that will identify any hotspots for crews to extinguish. While some people will be relieved to return home, major damage has already been done. The popular REO rafting and yoga resort north of Boston Bar was destroyed by the wildfire. The owner says 80% of the resort is completely gone. Province-wide, there are 14 wildfires of note, meaning they pose a risk to properties and structures. Fire crews all across drought-stricken B.C. need a lot more rain. There's some rainfall scattered here and there, but we really need significant rainfall um, to help combat these drought conditions that we've been experiencing this whole um, this whole year. The Trans-Canada Highway between Boston Bar and Lytton has reopened. It was closed for nearly two weeks as the Kukupee Creek fire took that area. That fire is still considered out of control. Officials hope the rain in the forecast will materialize and help the 92 firefighters battling that blaze. Travis Prasad, Global News. Thrill seekers and fun food lovers, tonight is your last chance to visit the PNE on this, the final day of the fair. This was the first full season at the fair since the pandemic began three years ago. This year's exhibition focused on community programs and introduced some new attractions alongside the classics. Blue Rodeo takes the stage tonight for the final summer night's concert in the amphitheater. Today is also your last chance to throw in your hat in the ring for this year's PNE Prize Home in Langley. Final winners will be drawn next Monday. Well, the final day of the PNE is also a precursor to the start of the new school year. As thousands head back to class tomorrow, students at a new school in Coquitlam were joined today by the Premier. And while the space is good news for parents and students, it does nothing to address a teacher shortage in the province. What David Eby and the head of the BCTF are saying about it in just over a minute. From lightsabers to stormtroopers, how you could be the proud owner of some original Star Wars movie memorabilia. And the superstar encounter at a Vancouver record store. Those stories coming up on the News Hour.
It is a day filled with anticipation and excitement, among other emotions. The new school year is set to begin tomorrow for thousands of students across the province. And while new spaces are being added, many districts are still dealing with an ongoing teacher shortage, one the Premier says he is working to address. Grace Key reports. Middle school? That's a big one. Students were joined by Premier David Eby to help welcome the new Coast Salish Elementary School in Coquitlam. It will create 430 new student spaces and one of the province's fastest growing communities. Is anyone at this table going back to school? Yes! A day before thousands of students head back to the classrooms, the BC Teachers Federation is raising the ongoing concern of teacher shortages, saying it's the students who need extra support who are suffering. Often they're a learning support teacher or a reading resource teacher, teachers who support students who need a little bit of extra help, a bit of support in order to achieve all they can. So when those individuals are pulled and put into a classroom uh, due to shortages, that means those students lose those services and that's happening on an increasingly frequent basis. Well, we've got uh, additional spaces for new teacher training because we recognize our province is growing really quickly. So we need more schools like this beautiful new school and more teachers to fill the schools. Uh, that's also why we reached an agreement with the BCTF to recognize teachers as the professionals they are and ensure they get appropriate compensation so we can recruit teachers as well. And finally, we're looking to internationally train teachers uh, to recognize their credentials and get them into the classroom across the province. The Premier assuring parents no schools in the province will face a delay in opening due to a teacher shortage. The BCTF adding short and long-term solutions are needed moving forward. But until you, you address kind of the fundamental issues that we're burning people out that mean people can't stay in the, the, the profession, which is the workload, frankly, um, you're not going to keep them in here. We know that year on year it's getting worse, but it'd be great to have those numbers. Uh, you know, it'd be nice if the ministry collected them so we could have a really uh, firm basis for the conversation. We're continually hiring teachers and school boards are. They're recruiting and retaining, so the numbers do change all the time. Uh, but we don't expect that any schools will have to delay opening because they are short teachers, uh, despite some of the suggestions that have been made. Uh, we think that we're going to be able to open all the schools on time and as planned. A BCTF survey shows 80% of those who participated expressed the personal impact of teacher shortages as being one of the top concerns. Grace Key, Global News. Hiring and retaining teachers is one part of the equation, but BC is also experiencing a major population surge with thousands more students starting class this year compared to last year. Keith Baldry joins us with more. And Keith, those aren't the only issues to watch for as kids head back to the classroom this year. Yeah, some big changes in our K-12 system in the coming year. A lot of people haven't really, I don't think, have their heads around this. First of all, we had years of declining enrollment. That stopped a few years ago. But now the numbers are starting to climb significantly. Here's just the latest from the latest uh, BC budget. 8,000 more students are expected to be enrolled this year. That brings us over 600,000 students for the first time in a long time. A new, the biggest ever, $214 million three-year food program. And here's the biggest one of all. No letter grades for grade, students in grades 1 through 9. They're going to be replaced with these terms, emerging, developing, proficient. That's what you want your kids to be is proficient and extending. That's going to replace letter grades. Now, BC went through this in the early 1990s. There was an experiment. Parents didn't like it. Huge backlash led to getting rid of that system and bringing back letter grades. Not sure what the reaction is going to be this time. Educators uh, assure us that they've done the homework here. They've done the consultation. They don't think there's going to be the backlash we saw in the 1990s. We'll see how the year transpires. Back to the enrollment numbers, Colleen. Uh, 8,000 more this year. The government projects 9,000 more next year. 7,000 more the year after that. And in fact, 
over four years, almost 35,000 more kids in the K-12 school system. That's an enormous increase. Not sure the system's there in terms of being able to withstand that type of growth pressure, but it's uh, what we haven't seen in decades. The number of kids in schools are growing phenomenally. That puts pressure on schools and on teachers as well. No kidding. All right. Thanks, Keith. It's been more than two weeks since thousands of properties in the central Okanagan were evacuated due to the McDougal Creek wildfire. And while most residents have returned home, others are being told it could be a while yet. Officials are now telling the owners of more than 400 properties it could be another two weeks before they can go home. Critical services such as electricity and gas have yet to be restored and there are still dangerous trees and other hazards in the area. Certainly there's frustrations that you can imagine not being in your home for a number of weeks is very trying and everybody really understands that here. Um, it's really important for us as well to make sure people can get back in as soon as they can. Please be patient. We really do realize we, that people want to get home and we're, and we're trying to make your neighborhoods safe as fast as we can. The McDougall Creek wildfire is more than 300 square kilometers in size and is still classified as out of control. More than 250 firefighters and 12 helicopters are fighting the blaze. And while thousands of Okanagan students will be heading back to class tomorrow, it's not going to be a regular first day for many of them. As Claudia Van Emmerich reports, that's due to the impact of wildfires and the evacuation alerts that are still in effect for some neighborhoods. An empty school playground that's about to come alive first thing Tuesday morning as another school year officially begins. I'm excited to see my new teacher and new things and my new classroom. In the central Okanagan alone, 25,000 students will head back to school after a two-month summer break. We're just super excited to greet everybody. We're thrilled to start Inspiring Wonder. That's our theme for the year uh, for our students. The head of Central Okanagan Public Schools says staff have been preparing for the big day for some time now. Our uh, clerical and administration teams have been back uh, for a couple of weeks now. Uh, getting ready to go, some a little longer. And of course, the wildfire had us come back even earlier and even working weekends. The McDougal Creek wildfire means that some students are returning to schools that are still on an evacuation alert. We do have an active wildfire uh, up in the hills there in West Kelowna and it will impact uh, the Glen Rosa neighbourhoods potentially and um, the Rose Valley neighbourhoods. And so we have schools on alert. Uh, we are prepared with emergency plans should we have to evacuate on an evacuation order. And as students in West Kelowna head back to the classroom, they are being urged to do so cautiously. The fire came very close to places like Rose Valley Elementary School, for example, and, and we just urge anyone in that area to, to be safe. The fire creating hazards students, parents and staff need to be aware of. There may still be hot spots that we're working hard to deal with. There could be what we call ash pits, where, which are a tripping hazard that people could fall in, uh, fall in or, or trip, um, as well as just the burn structures that people may be passing by. And while students from elementary school all the way to university are sad to bid summer farewell, many are looking forward to a fresh start. Why are you excited to get back to school? Just to, like, pursue my education, I guess, get ready for university and whatnot. I'm not from here. I'm from China, so um, it's a new, like, it's a new country, new city, and new school for me. Seeing <laughs> friends and yeah. getting back into the routine of things, actually, I really like the yeah. rhythm of it all. Starting high school and seeing friends. Yes. Who are you most excited to see? My teacher. My friends. 
something that's only one sleep away. Nice. When we come back, taking the long way to work. I did what I had to do. Love the people here and I love my job. The Penticton man who walked for more than 10 hours to get around a slide that closed Highway 97. Plus, the bear barbecue that's garnered some BC students' top honours in a national competition. Next. Following a rock slide near Summerland and the ongoing closure of Highway 97, many people have had to find alternate routes or ways around the slide. As Taya Fast reports, for one Penticton man, that meant a particularly long journey. Not many people can say they've walked over 10 hours to get to work. I did what I had to do. Love the people here and I love my job. Last Monday, though, Matthew McDonald made a routine trip to Kelowna by bus to visit his grandchildren. Highway 97 was closed later that day following a rock slide, which meant McDonald couldn't take the bus home. So instead, he set out on foot back to Penticton from Kelowna. And I was struggling to find a way to get back home. Couldn't. I was calling BC Transit to see how to get back home, and they had no options for me just to wait a couple days but I couldn't. I, I have my job. I have a place that I love being at. And I just decided, like lunchtime, just to start walking. The head groundskeeper is one of the longest employed employees at the Penticton Lakeside Resort and says he didn't want to miss more than a day of work. It was a last resort. I, I can't miss work. I, I love the company. I love the people here. And yeah, I miss one day. I'm not going to miss two in a row. McDonald was in high spirits despite making the entire journey in flip-flops and running into a few hurdles along the way. I went slow. I went very quite slow. It took me around nine hours. But I was just taking my time. I love the Okanagan. It was really interesting hearing about how that journey took place from, you know, all the great detail that he added uh, from being turned away from being able to cross the actual slide itself and being detoured down to the water line and uh, experiencing all sorts of wildlife, the, the snakes. He said there was lots of snakes and uh, the bear scat. That was probably his biggest fear. According to the resort, the tourism sector has taken a massive hit due to a recent travel ban and now the rock slide. This impacting not only businesses but the staff as well. You know it, when you have a team like that through all the difficulties the ups and downs that we've experienced over the the past couple of weeks uh, it really warms your heart and just knowing that uh, there's a team mentality work culture is everything especially during these times so I'm grateful to have a team and you know that has that mentality that they will walk you know day and night to get to get to their workplace. When asked if McDonald would ever make this journey again on foot, he had this to say. Oh, heck no. 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 I, I love taking the bus. And there's nothing wrong with the BC Transit. They just couldn't bring me back home. Meanwhile, there is still no timeline as to when Highway 97 will reopen. But for now, travelers can use neighboring highways or four service roads to get around. TFS Global News, Penticton. Thinking Matthew deserves a bit of a raise. A major award for current and former students at GW Graham Secondary School in Chilliwack. We introduced you to the Giant Bear Barbecue in June. It's a 5,000 piece, 4,000.
1,000 pound work of art with room to cook three dozen burgers at one time. It took senior welding students eight months to complete. They sent it off to a national welding competition called Forged by Youth and their instructor has just received word they won top prize, which comes with a $15,000 prize for the school. Congratulations. The personal touch from a musical superstar. He was very down to earth. He was like one of the guys. How Ed Sheeran connected with a Vancouver music store ahead of one of this weekend's massive concerts. Plus, an Independence Day celebration for Ukrainians far away from home here in BC. Next. Staff at the Beat Street Record Store in Vancouver got a superstar surprise this weekend. Musician Ed Sheeran made an appearance at the shop on Saturday before his record-setting show at BC Place later that night. He gave tickets to staff members and signed records and CDs, you know, those plastic discs we all used to have. Today, Beat Street Records is selling that signed merchandise on a first-come, first-served basis at regular retail prices to a few lucky fans. Sheeran is a huge fan of records, so the store's owner says hanging out with him felt natural. He was very down to earth. He was like one of the guys. He just wanted to come and hang out and probably show his face in public and uh, get some interaction with, uh, with the local music vibes. The star-studded visit came just before Sheeran broke the BC Place attendance record on Saturday, performing to more than 65,000 fans. Ukrainian Independence Day was finally celebrated in Kelowna almost two weeks after the official day. It's uh, Ukrainian Day in Kelowna. Uh, the occasion is Ukrainian Independence Day. It was on August 24th, but the uh, city asked us uh, to uh, postpone it due to the wildfires. The Kelowna Stance with Ukraine group still had a, held a small gathering on the actual day, but today they had a whole celebration filled with food, vendors, a concert, even a rally. And while the day was meant for fun and to be together, it's also meant to remind people about the destruction that continues in their country. Well, our main uh, goal uh, this year is raising awareness about what's happening uh, in Ukraine. People uh, tend to forget. Uh, the war is uh, not over. Uh, people are dying, hundreds of people dying every day uh, there. And uh, we are grateful for help of, uh, that we get from uh, people, from our supporters. And the group is hosting another event on September 16th. This one will be a motorcycle ride in the city. People can check the group's Facebook page for updated information. Canada is on track to have its most destructive wildfire season ever recorded, and that's fueling anxiety about what the future holds. It's also prompting questions about how we as individuals can help. Morgan Black reports. A summer on fire. That's how thousands of Canadians will remember 2023. Patrick Thompson fled his Yellowknife home because of wildfire and says he notices our planet changing. Even just from when I was younger, you know, like five, six, seven years old, definitely saw a lot more snow and rain. In communities where wildfire didn't drive people out, the impact was still felt as smoke choked out the sun. Environment and Climate Change Canada's Justin Shelley says it's getting drier and warmer across the country. It's going to lead to uh, 
conditions that are more favorable for wildfire starts and growth. Shelley's team tracks smoke hours. Until September 1st, Edmonton has recorded 199 hours, mostly in May and July. In 2021, 126 hours. And in 2018, a record 229. We use data from 1981 to 2010. The total number of hours averages out to 14. Ipsos polling done exclusively for Global News shows that 6 in 10 Canadians agree if Canada's government doesn't act now to fight climate change, it will be failing Canadians. Dr. Christine Gibson says she sees growing concern about climate change with her patients. Especially the young people are noticing it more because they're inheriting a world that is so much less stable and secure than what we believed we were inheriting you know, when I was growing up in the 1970s. The Canadian Association of Physicians for the Environment helps patients manage climate anxiety. Gibson says it's important to remember individuals and communities can help make environmental change too. I believe that the more that we start to believe that and not get really entrenched into the hopelessness of it, um, the more that we can make the changes that are needed. And until significant change happens, it's expected warmer and drier conditions will continue fall is nearing, but Shelley says we're not yet done with wildfires. Unfortunately, um, a lot of years where you have you know larger wildfire complexes, they can burn well into the fall and even the winter months as well. Morgan Black, Global News. Yvonne has our forecast when we come back, plus record-breaking smoke in Calgary as the entire province deals with poor air quality due to BC wildfires and We took everything we needed to survive on our backs. One person is dead and tens of thousands of others try to escape the mud of the annual Burning Man Festival. Tens of thousands of attendees at this year's Burning Man Festival are hoping to get out tonight after being trapped in Nevada's remote Black Rock Desert. Over the weekend, the dried lake bed was hit by a heavy rainstorm, trapping festival goers in deep quicksand-like mud with limited access to food, water and bathrooms. Jennifer Johnson has the latest. And we get the sun. The weather has cleared. The gates have been reopened. And the end to a weekend-long nightmare is near. Tens of thousands of Burning Man festival goers are slowly getting out to get on with their lives. I think a lot of us new people didn't actually realize if it the rain does get bad, you can't leave. That never even crossed a lot of our minds. More than 70,000 attendees were told to shelter in place and ration supplies after downpours flooded the region, closing roads, creating ankle-deep muck, and leaving porta potties unusable. We're out here with a solid group of uh, veteran burners. Uh, some people have been doing this for 20 years, and uh, we've never seen anything like this. This is our attempt to flee. But the sludge didn't stop some from making the treacherous nine-kilometer trek out of the campground to passable roads, despite the dangers, including Bear Kate and his wife, who needed to get home to their children. We took everything we needed to survive on our backs. Muddy, muddy burning man. Those with RVs and trailers will still have to wait for the sludge to dry before getting out. I think I could be trapped here for a couple more days. Those still stuck are hoping the weather will be clear enough for the annual Burn the Man finale, the symbolic burning of a large wooden effigy, which attendees then have to clean up in the mess Mother Nature has already caused. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. Meanwhile, smoke from BC wildfires is contributing to poor air quality in Alberta. Calgary's broken a smoke record. 
It's been smoky for more than 450 hours this summer in Calgary, where the air quality index today shows a high risk for people doing outdoor activities. That includes professional football players in the annual Labor Day Classic against Edmonton. Clouds of smoke have also blanketed Edmonton since early Saturday morning. Smoke is forecast to persist over much of the prairies until at least Wednesday. Yvonne is here now with a look at our forecast and thankfully smoke here in Metro Vancouver. Now not along the south coast but we're still seeing it along the northern and central half of the province. I'll have that coming up in just a moment. Thanks Colleen and good evening everyone. Uh, we are seeing a bit more cloud cover. What a difference a couple of days make and temperatures cooler today. We're currently sitting at 18 degrees. A glance at a few other numbers across the province. The interior still getting into the low 20s for most areas. Lytton just topping out at 23 degrees in areas near Castlegar with highs up to 24. Bit of a blip in the forecast though. We're still seeing this weak frontal system along the north and central coast, the central interior with a few isolated showers. And this is going to sweep along the south coast, bringing us some cloud cover overnight and then taking us in towards the morning hours. Now, if you're planning your outfit for back to work and school tomorrow, we are going to see that cloud cover, isolated showers possible just for the morning. And then by the afternoon, we're actually going to be back into some sunshine. A nice clearing is on the way and temperatures will be bumping up to 20 as a daytime high. Smoky skies bulleted all areas in gray, still impacted by the smoke. We'll likely continue to track that through the day tomorrow with some of the thicker smoke local though for the northern and central half of the province and the southern half tomorrow we'll see a bit of a break on the way along the coast tomorrow up to 14 degrees with that smoke for the northeastern corners we still have that instability with the risk of thunderstorms in the mix and I've left that for the southeastern corners areas near the Columbia region could still see the potential for some lightning Whistler will climb up to 18 all areas along the south coast and the lower mainland so overnight with the chance of showers for Tuesday morning it'll be similar clearing towards the afternoon pleasant though temperatures up to 20 and then Wednesday onwards we'll see highs anywhere between 20 and 21 with plenty of sunshine in the mix all right tonight's weather window this is a fantastic shot that was taken by Anne in Centennial Beach and it was capturing the moon Colleen. wow that is beautiful and Yvonne nice to know that we've got some more sunshine on the way because you know uh, Jake <laughs> grows a tomato or two in his backyard. I was just talking about your garden. Jake. Full disclosure Monique grows them all. It's Monique's <laughs> garden. I just sample everything. Okay. Well they're fabulous <laughs> by the way. All right. Hey uh, when you think of rodeo action you think about the bull riders and the barrel racers just ahead in sports we're going to introduce you to a woman who performs a vital role behind the scenes working the stripping shoot. If guys can do it why can't girls do it really like I've always been a tomboy never dressed the part as a real girly girl or anything like that. I like the rough and tough lifestyle, so I don't mind being behind those shoots and getting dirty and getting covered in, you know, everything else that happens back there. And the auction that could have you owning some incredible Star Wars memorabilia coming up. Talking about all the foods we want to make with yeah. our garden vegetables, but uh, you've got some BC Lions stuff to do. We will. Get. We'll feast on the uh, on the sports. Thanks, Colleen. BC Lions entering the bye week on the heels of their victory in Montreal on Saturday. Labor Day weekend concluding today, though, with a Seafelt doubleheader. Argos and Ticats got things going today while the Elks and Stampeders are on the field right now. Argos quarterback Chan Cavill is now the highest paid player thanks to a new three year, $1.865 million contract. The Argos the best team in football right now. 8 1 record. Campbell, 15 of 23 for a ho hum, 201 yards. Did throw a pair of touchdowns. 
couple of picks as well. Argo Silence, a sold-out Hamilton crowd of just over 25,000. They went at 41-28. They improved to 9-1 on the season, while the Tabbies fall to 14-7. Speaking of the uh, Elks game, 31-20 late in the fourth quarter. Trey Ford's having some kind of game at quarterback. He's rushed for over 100 yards and counting as we speak. Valley West Stampede and Langley wrapping up today. Langley Riders are hosting some of the top cowgirls and cowboys in Canada. For many in rural parts of Western Canada, rodeo is a way of life and a tradition that gets passed on from generation to generation. You can include Trisha Denhart in that group. However, where she fits in is what will impress you and also surprise you. Well, we make jokes saying that I'm the shoot boss because one of the females needs to take charge of all the men. And <laughs> you won't see Trisha Denhart front and center at the rodeo, but that's just fine by her. Denhart is getting down and dirty and about as hands-on as one can get, working this stripping chute, taking care of the animals. This is from someone who was first introduced to rodeo as a five-year-old. And no, she's not a cowgirl. Anything but. I'm not really a girly girl. I think for me, I like the rough and tough kind of lifestyle and... Always was a fan of wanting to be back behind the scenes and like dealing with the rough stock and the horses. The interesting thing about a position like what Trisha's in is you have to come with a variety of a background of knowledge, meaning you have to be comfortable with animals, you have to be confident in your working environment, and it's also a pretty aggressive, or it can be, type of job. Well, it's pretty neat because Trish got her first shot working behind the chutes right here at Valley West Stampede, which was last year, our first rodeo ever. So we were the first ones to introduce it, and she did such a great job that she actually got the invitation to work at Cloverdale Rodeo as well this year. So that was the first time in 75 years in the entire Cloverdale Rodeo existence that they ever had a woman working behind the chute. I think it's great. I think it promotes the quality in rodeo, and I think it shows that there's a lot of versatility out there, and uh, there's options for women to be doing what is typically a male-dominated sport. Trish is a role model for her young son who gets to see his mom challenge and break the mold on what a woman can or can't do. Trish's professional calling is that of a locomotive engineer in a workplace that's typically dominated by men. There's only uh, maybe a handful of us that work with a five, 400, 500 men in an industry where there ain't, there's no reason why more females aren't trying to get into it. Rodeo is big on tradition, but that's just part of the reason Trisha is working the stripping shoot. Her grandfather spent 40 years volunteering at rodeos. Trisha's dad was introduced to rodeo when he was 16 years old, and her brother is also a shoot worker. And as fate would have it, it's where Trisha finds her happiness too. My brother got the invite back in 2017 when they needed an extra hand. I was jealous, but... It was great to see that my dad and my brother got to work together down here and uh, my grandpa passed away back in 2021, my dad shortly after and we were at a branding one day. Uh, the guys that my dad works with, they all pulled me aside and said, hey, we want you for Valley West, which was three months later. So here we are a year, a year after and we're still going strong. This is my third rodeo and hoping to keep it for many years. 
Canadian men's basketball team making its way to Manila for the quarterfinals of the FIBA World Cup following their monumental win against Spain yesterday morning. Canada knocking off world number one ranked country to earn its first Olympic berth since 2000. 23 long years after missing out chances in 2016 and 2020. Uh, 2020 twice Canada raced double-digit leads by Spain. They now meet Slovenia Wednesday morning in the World Cup quarters. Anything from here on out is basically gravy as our men's hoops team heading to Paris for next summer's Olympic Games. The U.S. Open was an all-American clash today. On the women's side of the draw, Madison Keys taking on third seed Jessica Pagula. He's crashed out in the first round of Cincinnati Open last month, but she was on point today at Arthur Ashe Stadium. Had a couple yeah, key breaks up Pagula, took the opening set 6-1. Just didn't see the power of Pagula that she usually serves on up. Falls in straight sets 6-1, 6-3. Match was over just over an hour. Iga Swiatek also was eliminated late last night. Carlos Alcaraz winning on the men's side of the draw. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jay. If you're a big Star Wars fan, you will want to stick around. How some original memorabilia could be yours. Next. If you get global news from Instagram or Facebook, that has changed due to Meta's decision to block Canadian news in response to new government legislation easy access to important breaking news and information in Canada and about your community is no longer available on Meta platforms. Go to globalnews.ca and sign up to get news alerts delivered directly to you and learn about how Bill C-18 affects your access to Canadian news. Jordan Armstrong is here with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11. Jordan. Colleen, a bit earlier you mentioned the chaos at Burning Man in the Nevada desert. Tonight we're going to hear from a B.C. man who's still there. All the cliches about it, um, that it's just some young, you know, drug-infused festival, they're all wrong. At 11, Mark Fromson will show us the mess that's left behind after two days of torrential rain. Things are drying out now, so the exodus has begun, but hundreds of cars and RVs remain stuck in the mud. Tonight, you'll hear why Fromson remains a Burning Man fan and even describes it as one of the most magical places on Earth. Colleen. Looking forward to that story. Thanks, Jordan. It is one of the most successful movie franchises of all time, with numerous sequels and prequels from the original Star Wars epic in 1977. For its legion of fans, the movie franchise has also created a universe of collectibles. Now, as Kylie Stanton reports, hundreds of those items are going up for auction in Metro Vancouver. A long time ago... Over... 40 years. In a galaxy not so far, far away. A lot of the items are Canadian only. There's a collection to awake the force within, and a single buyer is putting it all up for auction. It's an interstellar bounty of iconic, non-played-with Star Wars toys in collector-grade condition. We've got the Death Star, C-3PO here. Just an amazing amount of stuff. Here's the new Star Wars Death Star Space Station that you put together. The collection features items made from 1977 to 1985, at the height of Star Wars popularity. You won't escape me. Jump, Luke! Everything from action figures to models. Careful, Luke, we've got company! All factory sealed, Kenner Canada products. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, the toy comes out of the box and then the box is in the garbage. So, you know, this is, uh, this is very authentic stuff and very rare. You've got some uh, Princess Leia. For Jedi collectors, wise in the way of the Force, 
that's priceless. But when it comes down to it, this is all about the highest bid. Do or do not. There is no try. The auction will be on Saturday, uh, September 9th at 9.30. It'll preview the day before at, on the 8th from 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock. Online only auction. While it's difficult to pinpoint the value of each individual item, similar products are up for sale online. This is the uh, troop transporter. Uh, this one on eBay with a starting bid of nearly $800 Canadian. Imperial shuttle vehicles. First time bidders. I have a bad feeling about this. Fear not. I have a really bad feeling about this. The auction is open to anyone. It's a good opportunity for people to add to their collection and to, uh, or even, you know, if they're starting collection too. So it'll be a magnificent auction. Still with interest already generating, be prepared for a bit of a battle. And of course, may the force be with you. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Oh, there will be some very excited people. <laughs> For sure. And high bids, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Right? No yeah. kidding. Yeah, I want to know how, how much the highest points are for yeah. that one. Um, last look at our back to school, back to work forecast. Yeah, this is an important one, especially for tomorrow morning. We do have a bit of cloud cover. Could see a few sprinkle, sprinkles. It'll be light in terms of the precipitation, but anticipate that cloud cover for the morning, brightening up for the afternoon. After school forecast, though, looking great with that sunshine. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it's really going to be pleasant. We'll ease into that first week of school. Temperatures will be into the low 20s and even leading into the weekend so far with dry conditions up to 22. Oh, we'll be able to bring out the sweaters and all the fall wardrobe, <laughs> which will be kind of nice. Looking forward to it. Thanks for joining us. Chris and Sophie are back here tomorrow. Jordan is here at 11 o'clock. Thanks for joining us. Hope you have a good night.